Like Sidney Bechet and Pete Fountain in eras that came before him, Evan Christopher is a name that has become synonymous with the contemporary interpretation of classic New Orleans jazz. As both a clarinetist and composer, Evan's unique fusion of extraordinary technique and soulful expression has helped breathe new life into the post-Katrina world of New Orleans traditional jazz. I sat down with Evan to hear his views on success, relationships, and childhood. So what I want to know is, what were the circumstances of your birth? Circumstances of my birth, um, meaning my adoption, for, um, because, I mean, it gets pretty complicated, but the adoption yeah. is probably an easier place to start than the, than the birth, because I don't... You can't find this in well, your one biography. I, one, I don't, one, I don't remember that far back. Okay. Um, but everything I... Every, all information that I've been given is pretty much what I um, uh, ascertained from, um, from research about my adoption. Mm-hmm. So if that, that's, if, that makes more, if that makes more sense. So, I, was, I mean, I was born in Long Beach, California, and I was adopted. Um, I, was, I, I, uh, I came home to my adopted parents at about three and a half months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process, uh, in, in that adoption process, it was all, I mean, at the time it was pretty anonymous, but I had reason uh, to look into it around 2000, uh, 2007, 2008. I had reason to look into it. Um, because of, uh, of an opportunity that I thought I had to to actually perform for the King of Thailand, mm-hmm. and it was actually their minister of culture that I was in contact with, who was more interested, a little you know, vaguely interested in what I what I knew about my my, my Thai roots, mm-hmm. um, because my natural mother was Thai, okay. and the identity of the natural father is not something that 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 uh, that I know and can't really determine from the from the circumstances, but it was enough to kind of say, well, let's look into this and find out what happened. So, um, but that's, I mean, that's, that's, so there are, there is, I, I do know more about that. I don't know what part about that would be interesting, but, but the, uh, but my parents, my adopted parents were basically just transplanted Midwesterners. And, um, when my father finished his doctorate in education, um, to teach uh, technology uh, education, or even what they called before that, the graphic arts. He had two job opportunities. One was in South Carolina, and one was in uh, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just from his experiences in the South, um, when he was uh, when he was in the in the, in the army, um, he decided that California would probably be better um, for uh, for white parents with brown kids. <laughs> so it's really more it was really a, uh, just easier, yeah. He wasn't interested in all the nonsense that was going to go along with that. I mean, he'd been, hmm. he, uh, I mean, he was he was stationed in the South. He mm-hmm. was down there when, you know, when the National Guard was, um, you know, in, integrating the schools, and you know, he he he'd had his his he'd seen his share of that. He wasn't really interested in in oh, putting anybody through that. So so I grew up in so that's why I grew up in Southern California. So. And tell me about your mom, your biological mother. Uh, biological mother, she was she was uh, she was Thai. Um, she she uh, got pregnant with me. Well, she she met she met an American, and uh, this guy was in the Air Force and was was um, you know trying to get her brought to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, they got I think they got married, and he was trying to have her brought uh, brought to the United States, but. 
Yeah, she um, she got pregnant with me in that in that process, and so when and then so when when she showed up, when she finally did make it to the United States, it was basically she was you know uh, six months pregnant with me, and you know the family thought that it probably was going to be better to you know put you know have, to do the adoption. What a second! So you're saying that your mom the, got married to a. Uh, Somebody right. in the service, right? Not the natural father. Oh, not okay. The, not not the natural father. So so he's 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 back and he's back here in California in Long Beach trying to uh, get her brought over. Meanwhile, she's um, she's in a situation where she's she's um, she's uh, um, she's working in a she's working in a, a bar or restaurant and mm-hmm. she's um, she's dating customers to make money to pay for. Uh, uh, medicine for her mother who had tuberculosis. And hmm. like that. Hmm. So then she's also, you know, she's also 18. I mean, I think she's also, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't actually spoken to her about any of this. So mm-hmm. I haven't actually tracked them down enough to, to ask any questions, right. but just, I mean, you know, she's a, she's a teenager. She's getting ready to come to the United States. She meets an American, but for whatever reason, she decided, you know, when she got pregnant that, that, that she would, you know, I don't know how she would have known that it would have worked out this way, but she decided to, you know, go through with it and, you know, showed up in in California, you know, pregnant and ended up having to deal with, the, you know, her husband's family who thought, well, maybe this isn't going to work out so well. And that guy was only 19 himself. Wow. So so I think it, it worked out. It worked out better for them. So she went back to Thailand? No, no. They they uh, they stayed around California for a while. Oh, they got married. They, Oh no, they were married. I think they were married. I think they got married in Thailand, and okay. then and then with with his with his work, he was trying to arrange to have her brought to the United States. Have you ever met your mom? Um, the the no, I, I've, I've never met anybody in the biological family. the biological family. Yeah. I mean, you have your mom, mom who raised you, right? Bi- and I and my dad's my dad's second wife also raised me. Um, they they they, they re, my dad remarried when I was about eleven or so. So let me understand this. Um, I know it's complicated, right? So the other thing, the other thing, it gets even more complicated than that. But eventually, they did split up, and uh, they all live in the Texas and Oklahoma area. That much I know. But there's also some half sisters, um, uh, half siblings, you know. And I can't, I've kind of not kept track of how that actually went. I know they told me, but I wasn't really counting or keeping track. So what was it like for you to be a kid in San Diego, was it? Uh, Long Beach. Lo- Lo- Long Beach, or, or right, Long south Beach. of, or in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of in between Orange County and Los Angeles. Yeah, in know? between? Yeah. So what was it like being there and um, and stumbling upon jazz music? How did that happen? Well, the music thing has much more to do with um, with my education than it has to do with anything that was happening in in my family's uh, culture mm-hmm. or or locus of interest. Um, music it, music was just uh, um, I started school a couple years early, and as a result, I mean, let's see. So I would have um, I, I always forget how to calculate this, but basically, um, I turned 13 and the next week would have been the beginning of high school for me mm-hmm. so it was it was it was awkward so right you're quite young yeah so that actually that actually so the music part started i guess when i was when i when i was pretty little but 
but it, picking up a picking up an instrument to be in the band didn't happen in in, in California till about the seventh grade, junior, junior high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the uh, the starting school early kind of became a challenge socially more than anything else because, yeah. um, you know, sports aren't really as much of an option. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, for girls, it's not. It's it's the music was an easier way to distinguish myself than than having to compete in other areas, and it was also an activity that actually wasn't really all that social. I mean, the the pursuit of of uh, or practicing was a pretty is a is a pretty private pursuit. Um, it's not a team sport mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. and um, so that 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 was attractive about it as well. So that, but as far as there wasn't really music in the house, you know, there's a small record collection, and there was, um, you know, there was some interest in 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 music. I think my my uh, my dad's first wife had an interest in. I mean, it's the it's the early '70s, so she's mm-hmm. got rec- she's got folk records around the house. You know, the sort of the folk revival with uh, Peter Paul and Mary and you know crap like that. It's all the kind when, of fun when did you know that, that you were gonna take music to uh, being something that you studied? No, um, no, I uh, it really was just uh, the path of least resistance. It was like uh, mm. it was the thing that afforded me the ability to go on to an, a board, an arts boarding high school, so I could finish high school. It was the thing that got me scholarships in college. It was the thing that made me money while I was in college, mm-hmm. and it just sort of evolved that way. What about the the high school? Tell me about the high school and how the boarding school or the yeah, public the, or school? The boarding school. Because the public school was, ironically, it actually eventually, long after I was there, became an arts, an art performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. But um, the public school had um, had a school band and also had a school jazz band um, that that um, that uh, I, and I had a lot of I had a lot of freedom. Um, I was kind of. Uh, being in with the the the, the whole uh, custodial arrangement with my parents mm-hmm. made it possible for me to do several things. One, it made it possible for me to live like an only child because I would just make sure that wherever my sister was, that I was at the other place. It also made my whereabouts and activities a little hard to keep track of. So I had a part-time job and things like that. And I also, mm-hmm. so the last semester of that of that. Uh, senior year I spent in a you know just practicing my music um, at the expense of uh, not actually passing the the, the high school requirements um, but I had already um, I had already uh, you know paid for these sort of summer music camps after that senior year and so um, you know I said well we'll deal with that when I get back it, to me it wasn't a big deal to repeat a senior year or to do part of it what I didn't realize is that is that um, the whole time I'd been in high school, I was doing all this college, uh, the college track. And what I didn't realize is the college track, you're taking a lot of extra things mm-hmm. above and beyond what you need to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I went to one of these music camps, it was in Idlewild, California, which is in the mountains, two hours, uh, uh, two hours east of Los Angeles, the San Bernardino Mountains. It's about 5,500 square feet. I mean, 5,500 feet elevation. Mm -hmm. So um, above the smog belt, you know, most most days, kind of high desert and really beautiful. And they had um, the University of Southern California had a summer program for the arts. 
and there was um, all sorts of different things that you could do, jazz or, or chamber music or art or ceramics oh, yeah. or anything. I mean, people would go there all the time. It's been something that they'd done actually probably since the 40s. Um, so it was kind of known. And uh, at that at that Idlewild school, they were uh, they were about to start um, uh, an arts boarding school um, as a full time as a you know, full time a year round a year round arts academy. And um, they didn't have an, a lot of people applying, and they didn't you know so they uh, I auditioned while I was there that summer, and they said, well, if you'd like to come, we can we can give you a scholarship to be you know to play clarinet here at the boarding school, and you can finish high school. And and so this is still part of high school. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I didn't really tell them that I that I had already had. You know, I just told them that I was a senior, <laughs> which was technically true. And they're like, great, come and finish your senior year. Now the cool thing is is that. Um, like I said, I'd been doing this college track. So at the end, you know, when I really looked at what I needed to actually get a high school diploma, it ended up being one semester of English and one semester of history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my uh, my my senior my the repeat of my senior year was very easy. Um, none none of the other stuff really mattered. Nobody really cared. Uh, furthermore, there weren't that many students there, so. Um, I didn't. You know, all I ended up having to do to basically graduate, uh, you know, with 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 a very high grade point average, is just get through those things, and the rest was all music. So, how was it that you were kind of left alone to operate on, on your own in high school? That sounds kind of bizarre to me. Um, that you know, just just the left hand not knowing what the right hand was was. Uh, was doing. What do you mean? Like you your know? parents weren't communicating with you? As uh, they weren't communicating with each other, and I wasn't. I was, you know, uh, by the by the time they figured out how much, you know, how how serious things had gotten, you know, it was already kind of too late. Are your parents divorced? Right. So okay. they split up. They split up. My um, they split up when I was about t- ten. My dad remarried when I was about twelve, um, and so. Uh, so I would go between my, my dad's place and, 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 uh, and my, my stepmother yeah. uh, and, and, then, uh, and then my mother. How did their divorce so, affect you? Oh, well, I guess it was pretty liberating. I mean, it really ended up being a kind of a, uh, you know, an opportunity to have quite a bit of freedom. I think at first it was a bit of a hassle because the arrangement at first was sort of switching back and forth like week to week or something like that and, and I kind of I kind of put the brakes on that because it was just too difficult to keep track too of my much. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't really keep track of things. Um, I think uh, it happened when I was kind of in junior high school so it you know by the time I got to high school that was a, that was kind of the least of my problems about what was that and try to look back at that period um, I think it's interesting that 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 um, for instance um, traveling uh, you know being not you know being in a different place all the time is not really a big deal to me um, I, so there maybe there's that connection I see um, I think it predisposed me to to uh, to not be very attached to uh, to things mm-hmm. um, it, it predisposed me to not be very attached to people and I, um, see. I think so there there are things that I can see in the way that that um, but the the strange thing is is that um, is that uh, all those things are actually or, or, you know, I don't know if it's ironic or if it's just, it's just kind of fortuitous that all of those aspects are con- are pretty much conducive to a life uh, uh, as a musician. Yeah, they're ad- they're you know, adaptive things. It um it it's, it suits me pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, does it keep you from getting close to people? 
yeah, I suppose in, in, in some ways. I mm-hmm. mean, in some ways it doesn't. In some ways, you know, I can become uh, very close to people um, in a very short amount of time and and try to get the most out of the, the uh, of that situation like a romantic relationship you mean like well i think i think at some point in my life that included it included uh it included whatever my concept of of um of of personal uh, romantic relationships were also but even with my colleagues or even with um you know even with people that are um kind of around the music um i i would say I would say it's it, it's very easy for me to be you know personal on uh, on that level mm-hmm. because you know I'm I'm going to be out of there pretty quickly. You oh, know? so, and you, so mean you can you feel comfortable getting personal with somebody because you know there's an endpoint. In, in not a way. necessarily an endpoint, but definitely definitely this isn't this isn't um, this you know it's it's almost like. Um, there's just there's just not well okay uh, so for romantic relationships you know it's there's not going to be a, a, a really long uh, uh, courtship you know but the the idea the the connections the that that I that I've always preferred whether it's romantic or not have been uh, have been connections that are that are uh, that are that are really strong that 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 um, that can that can withstand long periods of without a lot of contact, mm-hmm. and I, I've had some some you know uh, I've I've had my share of really I have even now I mean there's people um, today I was putting together my summer tours and I've got a couple holes in the summer tours and there's people that I'd like to spend time with and visit and I haven't actually you know seen them in two or three years, and and it's yeah. you know we know that there's no. There's definitely no problem there. Um, it's just because you're busy, you're touring, and I don't because I don't yeah. live in Switzerland, or I don't right. live in the south of France, <laughs> or I don't, you know, I don't live in these places. And um, it, I, I think, um, I think it always made it easier. I mean, I always ended up, you know, because, uh, and I, I, I can think of mentors in my life where I've kind of, you know, I've kind of seen them do the same things similarly with their personal lives and I, I think it's it really is sort of a musical culture thing tell me about the mindset for your new career path and, and what it was that well, drove that well I'm immediately I felt like I was going to be an ambassador for 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 New Orleans music and to help explain the culture and how the music was related to the culture because uh, I mean at the time I don't think we all any of us had the confidence that 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 culture would be something that could be experienced mm-hmm. in the same way ever again, mm-hmm. and I was perfectly okay with with looking at the music in terms of um, a, a language, a vocabulary um, that can be kind of explained and, 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 and um, deconstructed and you know looked at independent of of the the the. the the, 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 the cultural nuances of the city. Um, I mean, I learned the music before I. I mean, I was into, into the music before I left California. Mm-hmm. So it didn't it didn't living in New Orleans didn't seem like it was that mandatory. The mm-hmm. last the last important clarinet player who might have been uh, might have been an influence on me passed away months before I even got here in the first place in mm-hmm. 1994. Who was that? Uh, Willie Humphrey. Okay. And Willie Humphrey was a Creole clarinet player, and he died in 1994. And he was kind of the last of the Creole clarinet players. After that, I was just learning music from records, just like I would of anywhere else. 
Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't willing to in, invest too heavily in the idea that you had to be in New Orleans to play New Orleans music or to talk about New Orleans music or to, or to use the language in a creative way. It's, it's been easier. It's been easier. Even, even now, it's, it's easier to talk about my music in the context of its, of, of its relevance to the tradition or to the, to, the, to the culture that lives here than it is for me to talk about a personal aesthetic. So if you were to speak to a younger musician who wanted to make it in music, uh, what, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I'll be honest, um, Nick, I'm pretty... I'm pretty I'm, I rarely encourage people to, you know, be musicians. I rarely encourage people to. I mean, I, yeah. Tell me why. I, well, I just don't. I don't. I, I think it's um, here in New Orleans, for instance. You know, one percent of our population are musicians. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of musicians, and I think I think what I've decided is that is that. Um, Is kind of the way I was raised musically. It's like, well, the people who kind of took me under their wing, so to speak, only did so because they felt obligated to when they recognized this. The, they recognized that I was doing this because I had to. They almost pitied me. <laughs> what do you mean because you had to? I had to. It's just what I had to do. I had to be a musician. I had to make music. You know, it's what I it's just what I like, do. It's like fatalistic like you, you not, were fated not, to do not, it. Not 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 as in fated to do it. It's 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 like breathing. <laughs> you mean, it's like a requirement. Well that's kinda of fated to do it though. It's, it's, um, it's like as you're saying that this is the essence of who you are was a musician, a creator of music. And people recognize that in you, but you're not saying, I don't want to misunderstand it and think that music was your only, only ticket out of this suburban Southern California with uh, parents who got divorced and being adopted, all that. Like, help me understand the, yeah, yeah. What, what you mean exactly. More, it's just, um, uh, I mean, sure, the, the trajectory of my career or the trajectory of my interest in music was was sort of... Um, was more path of least resistance kind of thing, but at some point, I mean, I never, I never said, you know, I want to be a professional musician. You know, this is going pretty well. I'm practicing a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm getting. I want to be a professional musician. It never, I never said that. It just sort of happened. <laughs> you know, it was part of my scholarship was to go out and play to play gigs for other departments and I met other people the next thing I know it was just it was just how I was being I was being paid to do it and that was how I was making money and, and I was getting through school and I was doing that and then it was it was well this is you know now somebody wants me to go to Germany now it's okay all right. it was but, but in the beginning you said it was like breathing for you it was like just what you did I I don't know if in I don't know if it was well it, yeah um is that not what you meant? Yeah, I guess. I guess. How can I explain it? It's not, but it's not from a perspective. The 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 um the drive the drive the drive wasn't um, the drive wasn't because um, the drive wasn't because I was fulfilling any preconceptions of a destiny. It was more immediate than that. The drive was just. 
you know, almost more of a compulsion, I guess. Well, it seems like you were present in, in your work and you didn't have plans, you didn't know where it was going to take you. You just kind of followed that still path. Still don't. Yeah. Well, I think, still don't. I mean, I think that that's probably a pretty healthy thing where you do something that you enjoy. It seems like you've enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, not. absolutely. So, and you're saying that if you're a young person, unless you have to breathe music, then you should probably do something else. And to be more, to be more clear about that, unless you have to do that, meaning uh, unless you can, you, unless you can, unless you have an understanding of the meaning of what you do, unless you have a, an ability to um, take that meaning and create an experience that's meaningful to another person, which basically requires having empathy with their set of values, mm-hmm. unless you can find that place of values, then then you're then without that, and it's not just music; it's anything. Without having that place where 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 your values and the meaning that you create matches somebody else's values and what's meaningful to them, uh, without that, without creating experience around that. Anything you do is really going to be almost more of a trial by trial, trial and error. You know, let's just throw some crap mean, out there and see what sticks. Within music, you mean? With, with anything, anything. With Excuse anything. With any, anybody who's creating, uh, anybody who's trying to be innovative, whether it's music or art or, 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 or building laptop see, computers. You have to connect with, to, with people and have them have, find some meaning with what you're you're creating or the service you're providing without without that level of integration so here's where it comes back to students if if i have mm-hmm. students and i don't have a clear idea that they know what they want me to teach them or what they what they you know if they don't if they're not coming with a really clear idea about what what they actually want mm-hmm. I, I have my doubts about whether this is the career for them you know. isn't it a mentor's role though to help them figure out what they're they want or what maybe, they're maybe some maybe some people it is maybe some people it is i mean certainly i can i can make some aspects of it easier uh, you know by being a little more objective helping through that process and mm-hmm. you know helping them avoid certain pitfalls but they still have to they it's definitely um you know i mean even i think the edu- the, the the etymology of education is that you're drawing something out of somebody mm-hmm. you know it's not i'm you know i'm Filling you with um, something. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's that's, and I think for for the people who were most important to me as mentors, um, you know, they've they haven't really they they haven't really they haven't really um they haven't really answered too many questions I had very directly. You know, mm-hmm. their my their 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 role as mentors was much more by example. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally it would be very concrete advice like save your money <laughs> things mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. um, and, and at sometimes the the looking back at the example that they that they represented was a way to say well okay well there's something I don't want to do you know it seems like you're maybe even disappointed with choosing uh, music as a career 
when I was asking about what advice would you give to somebody coming up, you'd say, my advice is not to do this. Well, yeah. Is yeah, that what you, you really yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I mean, I guess there are aspects of that are a little disappointing. I mean, I, you know, it was, it's, it's, whew, I'll tell you, I mean, I got really lucky with it. I mean, it was the thing that got me into college. It was the thing that got me through college. It was the thing that got me to see other places in the world. It was the thing that got me, you know, it's the thing that, uh, it's, it's, it's done all the right things for me, but I, it's definitely not for, not for everybody. I mean, it's, um, and help the listeners understand who would it be for and who is it not for you think? You know, I guess it's, it's, uh, it's, it's for people who recognize that, 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 that the, the craft of making music is one of the most important human activities on the planet. There you go. <laughs> you can listen to past episodes of Mindset on the New Orleans Podcast Network. It's neworleans.com. Where you'll also find Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Happy Hour with Grant Morris. True to the Game with Chris True. Vietnam, the show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with Kim Vu. And Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. You can keep up with Mindset on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. All the links are on the website. It's neworleans.com. If you're listening to this show on iTunes or another podcast app, thank you for subscribing. Take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. The technical producers of Mindset are Eric Morrill and Chris Kehoe. Mindset is a production of INO Broadcasting. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.